Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into the bank. Uh, it's 70 degrees here in Baltimore. It feels great. Can almost feel uh, summertime mini camp. All right, uh, not so much, but it's approaching. Uh, we're here with our colleagues, Jamie Seek and Mike Randall, and we'll be glad to speak to them in one second. First, a word from our sponsor, as always, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One, their third generation family business established in 1959. They're located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster. They're the oldest floor-covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest-running flooring businesses. For all your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. So, excited to talk to you guys. There are some news this week. It's a little bit more active. Uh, so, let's start with uh, an article that was at the uh, uh, Baltimore Sun, and they gave their uh there are five most important moves the Ravens could make. And I was just curious where you guys agree, disagree. Obviously, it's some topics that we've we've discussed already multiple times here in the offseason. But, Mike, I'll let you kick things off. Yeah. Um, well, one of the ones that stood out to me of their five points, um, I'm just going to pick the um, the second-tier wide receiver and draft an outside pass catcher with upside was one of their points. I kind of want to say no to the first part of that. Uh, the second-tier wide receiver. This is something the Ravens have done over and over and again, and we've covered some of those names. You're Mike Wallace, you're Jamie Macklin, Jeremy Macklin. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these guys um, that are, you know, they they come in and they're not barely the elite guys, but you're still paying like a pretty penny for them once, uh, you know, once they get into the second, third year of their, of their deals when you talk about the cap hits that are backloaded. I just if they're going to go after wide receiver and free agency, just just go big or or don't go, because uh, you still have Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay, James Blake, Miles Boykin. So go big or don't. Um, but the second part, drafting outside pass catcher with upside, I think that's always a smart move. Uh, someone that comes to mind would be Darren Waller. He was drafted as a wide receiver, turned into a tight end. Look what he's doing now. We, he had his issues here with with uh, substance abuse, and it's unfortunate that he couldn't be doing what he's doing now here. Um, but somebody like that, you know, six foot five, big body, you can find later in the draft, it's a big catch radius, you know, could end up being a splash play for you. Jamie, how about yourself? Um, I, uh, I really like the idea of bringing in a veteran center as opposed to drafting a center. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in having a guy that that's, you know, has experience in the league, somebody that can make those calls, do some things that take a little bit of pressure off Lamar, and then piggyback with that, still addressing offensive line through the draft. But I think the center position, there's enough uh, veteran guys out there. Of course, Alex Mack comes to mind, first of all. But there are guys out there that you can bring in and not spend a draft pick on a center and then put a bunch of responsibility on a rookie to be your starting center. I'd rather see us go that way. Um, so that, that was probably my biggest thing in there because obviously we know how what we have to do um, with the interior offensive line to get better. Yeah, I think Max kind of the, the guy I've uh, 
keyed on as well there, Jamie, just tonight. I love the point of uh, having, you know, uh, the veteran there in the middle, uh, that leadership, and then being able to have, uh, you know, a rookie you want to groom, uh, you know, right next to him. I think that could add add a lot. Um, so the other big news of the week, kind of league-wide, uh, was that Dax uh, Prescott, he signed his extension with Dallas. It finally happened. Uh, tying it back to the Ravens, you know, did you guys immediately think about Lamar? What, what are your thoughts there, Jim? Uh, I mean, of course, obviously we know that's something that's looming, but I think it's become apparent that it's not, you know, for as much as it was talked about as a priority, it's become apparent that I, unless something dramatic happens, I don't see it happening this off season. And quite frankly, it makes a lot of sense within the framework of, first of all, his current deal. Obviously, you know his cap number is still you know very low on his rookie deal. You also know you still have him for next year because you're going to pick up the option. But I think the biggest thing is the confines of the salary cap this year, with you know everyone waiting for the you know the, the actual number. But we know the cap's going to constrict. But with the pending TV deals, and there was uh, something I, I saw about Amazon maybe is going to pick up some more games, so there might be more money in there. Or maybe there's even uh, a pay per view thing coming down the down the pike, where you know another revenue stream for the NFL, which means obviously more revenue means higher salary cap. So long story short, I think if they can push that extension another year that's completely fine and it'll make more sense because you can front load that deal. And if you start it next year, you can structure it where you can put that money there in the expanded salary cap, which should be coming for the 22, 23 season, I guess that would be right. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Jamie makes uh, valid reasons there of why you'd want to wait on a deal. Uh, and certainly, with the reduced cap this year and thinking the cap will go up next year, that certainly makes sense. And then there's also the other roster concerns the Ravens are dealing with now, uh, I guess to play advocate at all and tie it back to Prescott. If the Ravens are convinced they're going to want a, to do a long-term deal with Lamar, uh, he's only figures to be that much more expensive uh, later, right? I mean, with Prescott, uh, Dallas kind of, you know, they went back and forth over a two-year process, and it didn't seem like the Cowboys were going to uh, uh, to budge or acquiesce to the final demands that Prescott had, but they wound up kind of basically giving Prescott everything that he wanted, and it just cost them more. So how do you thread the needle here? <laughs> yeah, they the Cowboys certainly did. I think he asked for $40 million, The Cowboys wanted thirty, and he didn't take it. And now they're paying him forty million a year, uh, four for four years, hundred and sixty, hundred and twenty-six million of that guaranteed. I think he gets seventy-five million when he signs on the dotted line, which <laughs> we'll all take that right about now. So, uh, it, you know, tying that into Lamar, I fully agree with J with Jamie's points that um, I, you know we want to if they have to get it done, they get it done. But if they can hold off till next year. I think that's the smart move given the tight salary cap. We also know that the Ravens aren't going to lowball Lamar Jackson with an offer like the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott, or at least an offer that makes Lamar Jackson have to bet on himself where he's going to maybe turn down a low number to get something even more. I think when you look at Prescott's getting $40 million, Deshaun Watson $39 million per year on average, that's probably the baseline Lamar's going to be looking for. Um, 
I don't think the Mahomes contract is going to be touchable by anybody, um, even though it's a – I can't remember. If it, is that 150? Was it 10 for 500 or so million? Uh, you know, 50 million average for him. But uh, I don't think anyone's going to touch that. Uh, it reminds me of when Alex Rodriguez signed for 262 million um, in 2003. I don't think anybody came close to that until A Rod did it again with a 275 million dollar extension. So, um, you know, Mahomes is astronomical. I think Lamar's deal is going to far fall where the Prescott deal and the Watson deal currently are, but with more years than Prescott, of course. So kind of continuing on that theme and expanding a little bit, what did we learn from the uh, state of the offseason press conferences there, Mike? Yeah, and this ties right in with that. One of the things that stood out to me was why I don't think the Ravens are going to lowball him was DaCosta's comments um, correlating, uh, you know, comparing Lamar Jackson to luxury cars, saying you don't go into a Bentley dealership looking for a discount. Uh, you, you know what you're going to spend you know how much it's going to cost uh, you have to be willing to go there just by walking in the door basically and and so the Ravens know that it's going to cost them a pretty penny Lamar Jackson knows he's going to get paid it sounds like I don't I don't see the Ravens messing this situation up the way Jerry Jones can easily mess up a situation <laughs> uh Mike we'll come back in a second but just staying on the Lamar talk topic for a second here Jamie uh I, I guess I had in the back of my head, I was a little bit curious to see where the Ravens were going to be at in terms of a second deal with Lamar. Uh, they were saying all the right things, but I was wondering if, yeah, if, is it really going to happen? But reading those comments from DaCosta, I, I think the Ravens are clearly all in uh, on Lamar. Uh, the extension is going to happen. It's a matter of when uh, and timing all, all around. So, I guess my question to you, Jamie, would be, knowing the Ravens are all in on a second contract with Lamar, this team has to continuously be built around Lamar's strengths, right? I mean, that that's the bottom line for, for this franchise for the next X amount of years. Agree, disagree there? <laughs> Yeah, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. If you're going to – the the big mistake – and this has been discussed over the years. If we can, you know, go in the way back machine, the big mistake they made with Flacco was they gave him a lot of money and then didn't do anything else with the offense. Uh, I mean, they didn't, uh, the team didn't invest day one or even day two picks on offense very much after the Super Bowl. I think it was only four times in the span of five years where they either did a day one or day two pick one offense. So you can't, hopefully they've learned from that. You, you have a franchise guy unorthodox as he may be in the traditional sense, but obviously the guys put the franchise on his back since he stepped on the field. And the only thing left is just to get over that hump, but they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to commit dollars to him. And then they're going to have to say, well, what else can we do to make him better? And I think that goes back to what we talked, what I talked about in the beginning uh, about the, the Sun article. And what we'll mention here throughout the offseason is really getting that offensive line to where, where it needs to be to be able to protect and to be able to run these run-heavy schemes and make this thing go for as long as it can go. Well, to that point, Jamie, let's – Beat it over the head again with Orlando sure. Brown, and that was also covered there directly in the State of the Ravens yeah. press conference. So 
the one takeaway that I had from that, and it wasn't something I frankly had thought about, was uh, apparently there is at least some concern about uh, Ronnie Stanley being ready. Uh, and so that makes it that much harder to, to potentially move Brown. Uh, I mean, the Ravens have to believe that Stanley is going to be uh, 100%, I would think, before they can consider moving Brown. Your thoughts? Oh, well, ab- absolutely. You obviously don't want to put yourself in a position where you're without a, a stud left tackle when you have a you know when you have a former MVP and a quarterback who you're on the verge of signing the last thing. The last thing you want to see is him get. Obviously, you know you you want to see Lamar well protected because you don't want to see him get hurt. And it it's tough with you know an ankle, you know with a you know a three hundred and you know three hundred thirty three hundred forty pound guy who who needs that that stability and that base. It's even a little different than a knee because an ACL is a very mapped out injury. You know how it is, but hopefully it won't be an issue. So, and then specifically regarding Zeus. Zeus Jr., excuse me. It, I, I'm not at all surprised at some of the comments to where you know DaCosta kind of calmed the situation down. I, I don't think this thing is as acrimonious as it's been made out to be. I think, you know, obviously Brown went on social media and said something. Obviously, that's going to engender a reaction in the 24-hour you know, news cycle. But the reality of it is, and Brown and his people have to know this, the Ravens hold all the cards here. He's under contract. They're under no obligation to move him. And if he, for some reason, wants to sit out or dogs it, he's only going to hurt his value in free agency and his, and, you know, and maybe make teams not look at him and question his character. So it's really a win-win for the Ravens. Obviously, either it's one of two things: either you get a fantastic package for him and move him, or you don't, and you have either the best bookend tackles in the league or a guy who filled in as a pro bowl, filled in for a pro bowl left tackle and was a pro bowl left tackle himself until your pro bowl left tackle is healthy. So it's again, there's really, it's really a win-win for the Ravens. Uh, Mike, I like the Costas comments there relating it to his own aspirations of wanting to be a NFL GM, comparing uh, Stanley wanting to be, excuse me, uh, Brown wanting to be the left tackle. Um, just current, where are you at? Do you, do you believe the Ravens are going to get uh, a package that they want uh, or where they're going to be willing to move Brown? Or are you now f- thinking that Brown's going to be back with the Ravens in 21? I think if it's going to happen, I feel like it's going to be closer to draft day. Um, if not like a draft night scenario uh, where something may happen like that. Um, because now that this has gone on this long, I don't know that teams are, um, you know, teams are going to evaluate it as much or they're going to evaluate it and take their time. Um, I, but I think it could happen just because of the the way the cap is structured and it's tight this year. Someone's going to want a left tackle on the team at a $3 million cap hit. Um, I, you know, the Jaguars made sense to, as a trade partner to, to protect Trevor Lawrence, we just saw they franchise tagged Cam Robinson, which surprised a lot of people, including me, because he's not a good tackle, according to the metrics. But uh, they went ahead and did that, so maybe they don't think they have a need at that position now. So, um, you know, I think once we get closer to draft day, draft night comes around, free agency is in full swing, and players have been um, 
signed off of uh, free agents, uh, off of free agency, we'll see a little bit more of a clearer picture of who could be a fit. Mike, the Ravens are uh, apparently working on a long-term deal with, with Gus Edwards, and obviously there's some additional news there. Update us on that. Yeah, uh, the Ravens assigned him the second-round tender. Uh, he'll be getting $3.3 million this year. That means that if uh, another team wants to acquire Gus Edwards, it will cost them a second-round pick. Uh, so, uh, but the and the um, you know the Ravens have him uh, for this year. There sounds like they're working on a long-term deal, uh, possibly, which I think would be nice to have him and J.K. Dobbins being great complements of one another in his backfield for a few more years to come in our run-heavy offense. Uh, I think that's a smart move. I like everything Gus Edwards does. I like that he's always you hardly see him take a yard, you know runs for loss. Uh, you don't see him put the ball on the turf. He doesn't make mistakes. I like Gus Edwards a lot. Um, so I hope I hope uh, they get something done. And we see the trio of Jackson, Dobbins, and Edwards uh, running rampant here for a long time. Jamie Edwards has been a, a quality scheme fit at least. Uh, I, I think we all love his kind of downhill running between the tackles. Averages over five yards a carry now for several years. Uh you think any chance someone signs him to that uh, second round tender? Or do you, would you expect him to be back at this point? You know, I got to be honest. I can't even remember the last time a restricted free agent that had a tender on him even moved teams. Like I, that's one of those ones I'd have to hop, you know, really have to research. I just I feel like teams don't. It's almost like a, a gentleman's agreement or something. The teams don't seem to really go after restricted free agents too often. And, and you know, we obviously love what Gus Edwards has done here. And we've talked about him extensively, you know, big fan of what he provides, especially how his style complements both Dobbins and Jackson. You know, he's that, that guy that, you know, he's going to lean forward and get two or three yards at a minimum. Um, I can't really see any teams, though, coming after him just for the simple fact that I still feel like teams think they can find running backs and the value has come back up a little bit from a perception standpoint overall for running backs. But I don't think you're going to see a team give up a second round pick to, to sign to sign a running back. I just don't see it happening. Jamie, there's been some talk uh, locally about Brandon Williams possibly being uh... – a cap casualty to cost pretty much squashed that. Uh, I was pleased to see, uh, see that. I think he's kind of underappreciated locally. What are your thoughts there? Um, well, yeah, I have to say I'm one of the people that underappreciated him for a little while and I'll eat some crow on this. I was on record when we signed the deal. I hated it. I just not a fan of extending interior defensive linemen, especially given the organization's propensity to find those guys. And uh, what was it? I think it was either, I think a year after the, they gave Williams the big money, they find Michael Pierce as an undrafted rookie. And there were, I think in some metrics that Pierce actually outperformed Brandon Williams. With that said, We've seen the results on the field. Our the yards per carry that we give up, total rushing yards that we give up, uh, win loss record all suffer when Brandon Williams isn't on the field. So, for for better or worse, the numbers don't lie. He's a key cog to this defense, and glad, glad he's going to be back. 
Mike, so you know, Williams is never going to collapse collapse the pocket from the interior, but he is going to suck up room. He's going to uh, make a difference in the run game, make teams help make teams one dimensional, allow the uh, the linebackers to better flow to the ball. Uh, you know, to Jamie's point. Sometimes you can find somewhat big fat guys to kind of stand uh, to stand there, right? But uh, for 20 years now, the Ravens have had kind of quality interior, you know, tackles, uh, allowing yeah, allowing the other guys to go and make plays. And, and you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I wish he could be Warren Sapp and he could just go and eh, go and get uh, get the quarterback from the interior. That would certainly add another dimension. But for what he does. Yeah, I I think he provides value. Where where are you with Williams? Are you happy he's going to be back, or do you think the Ravens should have looked to uh, maybe part ways there? Um, I think I'll be happy that he's back this year. I'm looking at this upcoming season as maybe the Ravens. I don't want to say last last best chance. Um, I don't want to put it in those terms, but this is their best chance coming up at going for a championship, considering the the guys they have on defense and who could be cap casualties in the next off season in the 2021, uh, 22 off season, guys like Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, Marcus Peters are, are all potential cap casualties. And we only have one edge rusher on the team right now. <laughs> so we don't even know who's going to be uh, rushing the quarterback come on 2021, 20 off season yet. So, um, you know, th- given the state of uh, the defense, uh, I'm glad that he's back uh, for this upcoming season. Next year, he's going to be addressed. Addressed, but then uh, and the, where the offense stands, you know, you get you get that one extra playmaker on there, whether it's a, a wide receiver, um, sturdy up the offensive line. If you add another tight end like a Hunter Henry or something, um, this is I think the Ravens' best chance um, before. M- part of that defense is going to be dismantled next off season. And also really quick to go back to Gus Edwards, I forgot to mention the uh, second round tender rules. So the team that would offer Gus Edwards a contract, the Ravens would have the right to match that deal and keep Gus Edwards at that price. So, um, and then if the Ravens don't match that deal, they get the team's second round pick. But um, yeah, the reason why deals never seem to happen, um, you know, the team doesn't want to overpay for somebody that the other team could, you know, either either match or have to overpay themselves. So gentlemen's agreement sounds like <laughs> what's going on, you know. So, uh, yeah, good point there. Uh, appreciate the qualifier. Uh, so our draft talk of the week. Uh, curious your guys, you know, the potential first round option uh, that most interests you this week on uh, Jamie. I know you don't do a, a ton of draft looks, but uh, what's the name that stands out to you right now? Uh, you know, the name I keep seeing in, uh, that I've seen pop up a few times, and he's uh, Walter Football's latest uh, as Alex Leatherwood, the uh, offensive lineman from Alabama. And he's played tackle, and he can also play inside. And the – the, the word on him seems to be that he has the flexibility to do both, but at the next level, he'd probably settle in on the interior. But, you know, to play in a program like Alabama, you know, pro style, obviously, you know, they, they, they get the best of the best recruits. I think you always feel good with the pedigree of a guy coming out of Alabama. And obviously that fill, fills a need. And particularly if 
the Ravens do decide to move on from Orlando Brown, perhaps Alex Leatherwood would be the kind of pick that you could take and plug him in at right tackle at least for a year, see how he does, you know, so on and so forth. But th- that's the that's the name that I'm in, that I was in, intrigued with the most. Mike, how about yourself? Uh, one of the names out there that I like a lot is uh, Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher from Michigan. He's a guy that may not make it all the way to 27, um, but also there's a lot a long way till the draft, so he very much could um, make it down there to 27, um, depending on how teams view him. I, I noticed him first when um, video on Twitter came up of him running the three-cone drill in uh, six and a half seconds, which is lightning quick which is quicker than any other posted combine result I've ever seen. Granted, this is at a, at a, not a pro day, but at, um, you know, a workout, uh, with, with video. So it's, you know, I timed it on my phone. (laughs) It it was six and a half seconds. So, I mean, but it's not officially like a combine, uh, posted time. However, Um, that is insanely quick. Um, only Von Miller is a notable player that's come close to that in a combine drill, and he's was like 6.7 some seconds. So, uh, to get a guy, and he's listed at 6'4, 272. But when you look at him on tape, I that's being very generous for being 6'272. Uh, he looks more like 252 to me, but um. Still, that that kind of time much tells me he's he's got really good flexibility, changes directions real well, turns on a dime, accelerates around corners really fast, which is what you want from your edge rushers. Uh, so I think a guy like that with those measurables needs a really, really, really hard look. And if he posts those same measurables at the at the pro at his pro day later this month, because there's there's not going to be a combine this year, um, if he posts some explosive measurables like that. Um, he's either going to shoot up draft boards uh, and be out of the Ravens' reach, um, or if he comes back down to earth a little bit and that number isn't right, um, maybe he is in the Ravens' reach, but I still like what I see on tape from him regardless. I think in past years, Mike, you've done an article on explosion uh, with with, uh, prospects, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, a good look. We'll look for that later. Uh, the name from, uh, that uh, I've been looking at recently is uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, also a lineman, uh, potentially out of Oklahoma State, 6'6", 320, uh, first team, Big 12, uh, belief that he could play both tackles uh, positions. And, uh, you know, I like the size. I like the uh, pedigree. And, uh, uh, you know, just give me a lineman and I'm going to be pretty – Pretty happy on draft night, but uh, yeah, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to uh, throw something kind of at, at you guys from a you know, assuming that the, that the Ravens stay in the first round, and given the 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 glaring needed edge rusher, as you know, Mike mentioned that we only have one on the roster. Is that such a need that the the team's going to have to reach or maybe get aggressive and maybe try to move up? Do you think, or is this something that we're that we should just see if it comes to us? Just curious of your thoughts. I as, think as we talked about this one of those things that yeah. somebody they like is probably going to fall to them, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens trade back um, because of somebody they like and and get them a few picks back and collect some more picks later on in the draft. They have seven draft picks after they got awarded their two comp picks uh, today, um, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to try to. 
you know, they acquire more draft picks. They, they love acquiring draft picks, having 10, 11, 12 picks, then using some of those later to move up in a second or third round scenario. Um, but I think that it sounds like from a lot of the pundits that it's not a elite class of edge rushers where you're having guys going in the top five, top 10, but it's a deep class of edge rushers where I've seen up to seven of them being mocked in first rounds, um, anywhere from three to seven. Seven's on the high end, but most of them have three, four, five in the first round, but usually all coming after the 15th or 16th pick. So there's not any elite guys, um, so, but a lot coming in the back end. So I feel like if the Ravens like a couple guys, one will definitely be there, and they may even trade back and still land their guy, which they're known to do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jamie, for me, I hope the Ravens feel good about Stanley getting back and they're able to get a first rounder for Brown because I think the Ravens have – multiple needs and they and they need uh and they need the picks and you know i'd hate to say goodbye to brown but uh if i can get a lineman in the first and then have another pick and be able to address the edge that would be that seems like the best scenario for me but right and what's the cheapest way to acquire talent is yep. the draft so um looking elsewhere uh, outside the end of uh, outside the ravens uh it was a franchise tag deadline uh, this week. Uh, a couple articles up around the interwebs about winners and losers. Uh, Mike, any any notes there? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the usual suspects we expected was um, Alan Robinson, Chris Godwin getting tagged. Uh, Brandon Sheriff from the Redskins was a guard that we talked about that would be a nice free agent target um, to bolster our line. But Corey Lindsley, another one, but he did not get tagged. So he'll be a free agent. It looks like, and one I'm hoping that they go after. Um, I think, I mean, the big, the big name is Kenny Galladay that did not uh, get franchised. Uh, so he's like the number one receiver available in free agency. And, you know, the Ravens have already, I think, shown their hand that they're not going to go after him. But he's the kind of guy that you'd hope they'd go after. So um, he's the only interesting name I think that got did not get franchised that is exciting for teams to want to go uh, go and get. Yeah, two things stood out for me: the the wide receiver thing, of course, with you know two of the top guys in Allen Robinson, Calvin getting tagged. You know, it shrinks that pool a little bit. I thought it was interesting that the Lions didn't. You know, I guess they were just. Uh, you know, um, resigned to the fate of Galladay test in the market. But I think it's interesting that they bring in a new quarterback, you bring in Jared Goff, and then you're going to let your potentially let your best receiver walk. So kind of an interesting dichotomy there, but I suppose they, you know, had discussions with this agent, decided that just wasn't what they could do within the confines of the cap. And the other thing I thought was interesting, uh, I think it was CBS had their winners was the, uh, the free agent edge rushers. And of course it mentioned uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon as being among that deep class of free agent edge rushers. So possibly maybe because the free agent market for those guys is a little bit, is deep and teams don't have as much money. Maybe there's a way someone trickles back to the Ravens, not necessarily saying Judon or Ngakwe, but maybe another name becomes available on a, you know, a shorter deal just because of, you know, the odd situation we're going to be in this offseason. But um, our curiosity will be satisfied. Yeah. 
And if I'm not mistaken regarding the Lions, I'm pretty sure all of their wide receivers are free agents. Um, Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. Um, the other guy's name is eluding me right now. I'm drawing a blank. But I'm pretty sure uh, that um, – yeah, I thought for sure Galladay might might have gotten franchised because he'd have been their only one. Kind of like how we have one edge rusher. The Lions have zero wide receivers right now. So Eric Goff has nobody to throw to. Jared Goff is the, the big loser of the offseason. Yeah, welcome to Detroit, right? <laughs> yeah, well, right. Uh, we'll wrap up on that. I just uh, last comments from you guys. Anything uh, that you're looking at this coming week? Any articles coming? Uh, what should people uh, be looking at and be talking about at the uh, at the Ravens section at BSL? I'll have a uh, volume two of my edge rusher series uh, coming this week. Later this week, I'm looking at three more guys that uh, the first three guys I looked at may not follow the Ravens. The next three guys are falling in and around where uh, the Ravens are mocked uh, to pick. So, or where the Ravens are picking, guys are falling in or around that pick. So, um, I'll be looking at three more guys this week. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, be taking a look at some uh, wide receiver possibilities that should be hanging around at 27 if the Ravens want to go that way since it uh, since they're obviously not going to be attacking wide receiver in the free agent market. They've still got to look for uh, someone, so going to take a look at those possibilities and uh, see, see what could possibly end up here. I'm going to still bang the drum for uh, Corey Davis and hope that works out for uh, next week. We'll see if uh, that's it. Will it into existence, Chris? Will it into existence? (laughs) For that's us for another week for the bank for Jamie Seek and Mike Randall. Thanks for listening. Come join us, Baltimore Sports and Life. Join the discussions at the board. We want to hear from you. Uh, Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week. Take care.